It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Obadiah Ostergaard, CEO of Vine Hospitality and the Left Bank Restaurant Group. He is responsible for all aspects of operations, overseeing the core values of the company, drive quality, have fun, and make it happen. Obi began his culinary industry journey as the executive chef at Gaylords in Hawaii. He then ventured to Delaware, where he was invited to open a cafe for MBNA America, moving on to the roles of executive chef and executive catering director. During his time in Delaware, he also co-owned The Vault and Restaurant 821, both of which he led as general manager. Obi then moved to San Francisco to join the Kimpton Hotel and Restaurant Group, where he was eventually promoted to Director of Operations. Prior to taking over as CEO from Ed Levine, the founder of Left Bank Restaurants, Obi was the president of Abon Repas, where he oversaw all aspects of operations. Obi Ostergaard, welcome into the corner office. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, really, really excited to be here. It's great to have you here, and we're literally recording just a few days before Christmas, although this will be airing uh, sometime into the new year, and uh, it sounds like you really got into the spirit. You were uh, sharing with me how you've been running around to all your offices in your Santa suit, or your restaurants, rather. Yeah, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been uh, quite the uh, interesting few days, and a uh, tradition uh, started a few years back That's of awesome. uh, delivering all of our uh, employees' uh, gifts uh, in the Santa suit. So um, That's great. I love it. What a way to get into the Christmas spirit. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Santa's pretty unrecognizable when you're in a suit. So uh, That's right. I think, I, you know, the, the new people don't know who it is, and yeah, it's it's. It, it's pr pretty fun when they find figure out actually who's in the suit. So that's terrific. Great. Well, uh, the spirit is with us. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that bit. But let's talk a little bit about your early years and, you know, where you grew up and what your early family life was like, Obi. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, was uh, born in Puerto Rico. Oh, um, okay. And uh, that was because my uh, actually, so Obadiah Ostergaard, yeah. back in the back in the 1700s, if you wanted your son to be a whaling captain on Nantucket, you named him Obadiah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and I come from a long line of seafaring folks. So, no um, kidding! Wow. My, my father was running a research vessel for Oceanographic Institute, and it was based out of Puerto Rico for a few years. So um, while that while they were down there, while the family was down there, I happened uh, uh, to be born. <laughs> That's great. And did you grow up there? No. So it un unfortunately only lasted about six, 
month, so uh, my Spanish is still struggling uh, right, to this day. Right. But uh, I wish uh, I wish I'd picked up more in the womb. <laughs> brothers and sisters, Obi. Uh, yep, older older brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then eventually, through a, a few other ports, uh, we ended yeah. up uh, in Maine. Okay. And uh, grew up on a you know a farm in Maine, about 110 acres. Nice. Uh, my father was still going to sea, but we did. Uh, raise quite a bit of our own food, grow quite a bit of our own food, nice. yeah. um, and really, you know, started kind of a love for the land and appreciation yeah. for food um, through that. You were, you were eating organic before it was popular. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not, not only eating it, but uh, producing it. Mom was stay at home or did she work the farm and you know, was involved in that as well? And then also was a nurse. Um, oh my gosh! So oh, she, yeah. Uh, yeah, she got stuck with a lot when uh, when my dad was out to sea. That's for sure. Imagine. How long would he be gone? What how long period of time? You know, sometimes uh, you know over multiple weeks. Um, yeah, you know, up to a month. So. And three, you said three, three younger brothers and sisters, or? Uh, no, I have uh, two older. Two older. Um, Yep, two older brothers and sisters, and then we also ha have a uh, we had a foster child that lived with us that was in that same range. So they shared the brunt of. Uh, I was a little young, so they, they definitely worked harder than I did. That's for sure. Right? Was it a working farm in the sense that products were sold then too? Right to the local community? No, really, really all for our own consumption. Own consumption. Yeah, kind of terrific. Well, tell me about some of the early inspirations, particularly from you know mom and dad and and, and older brothers and sisters. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for for me, um, just growing up with, uh, you know, having goats, sheep, um, cows, chickens, um, and a real appreciation, you know, for that direct route from, okay, you, you go to the barn and... And then you <laughs> there's uh, your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and then you you know you get the eggs or you the know raw you, input. Yeah, yeah you, you get the uh, the dairy and you make cheese out of it. And um, you know definitely a lot of time spent in the kitchen um, as a family producing food and and also canning and things like that in the summertime because Maine you know Maine only has one growing it's season. It's pretty cold. Yeah, right. Um, so you know you got a long winter to to get through for sure. 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 Were um, you in a rural area? Yeah. You know, where, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, pretty rural, very, you know, heavy, heavy fishing community also. Oh, nice. yeah. um, and then, you know, a big inspiration for me though, growing up was I have a, on my mother's side, um, my grandparents who I would spend every summer with on Cape Cod. Um, I would spend, you know, from anywhere from six weeks to uh, eight to 10 weeks with them, um, nice. depending on the summer. Yeah, there was a yeah. wonderful science school. Uh, this is actually in Woods Hole where Oceanographic yeah. Institute oh, sure. is. Right. And, was, that, uh, was your father based out of there? Was that his research uh, location? Not at that, no. you know, not at that. Yes. When, from the Puerto Rico days, yes. Um, right. right. When I got a little, he... You know, he went back to commercial fishing um, yeah. for a while during my kind of mid mid range years. So, you know, it was mainly, you know, they would be in and out. My parents would be in and out, but I would really be based uh, with my grandparents nice. uh, going to the science school there. There was an amazing science school, still cool. is an amazing science yeah. school in Whitsall. Um, and I would yeah. do a six week program there. Nice. Um, but my grandfather, 100% Italian, uh, Renato Ricca. And definitely a real appreciation for food, hmm. gathering the family around the table, around yeah. meals. Um, you know, it's uh, it's rare for me that I get an orange in my hand and I don't think of him because, you know, every morning would be sitting at the breakfast table, peeling oranges and mm. eating them. And 
Um, and then, you know, sometimes we'd go um, uh, out to one of the uh, islands and uh, harvest quahog. Oh, and then bring those back and yeah. make white clam sauce with that. And mm. again, you know, gather everybody around the table. You're making me hungry, Obi. This is not going to work here. <laughs> I got to bring a snack the next time I talk to you. Well, what, what about time for school? Were you involved in, you know, was it a small rural school in Maine there that you grew up in? Were you, you know, K through 12 or what, you know, tell me a little bit about that experience. Real, you know, pretty rural um, yeah. uh, school went from kindergarten through sixth grade uh, in St. George, Maine. Mm. Uh, and you know, one through or K through six was all in one building. Um, but pretty much it was, you know, multiple communities that came together to St. George right. to go to school. Right. I don't, you know, I don't know the number of top yeah. of my head. It was a few hundred kids, right. Wow. To K through six. But were you defined classes or, or were there multiple grades together? Okay. It was big enough for that. Yeah. Pretty defined classes. Yeah. Actually one of my, one of my stories that I think is pretty funny and I'm not sure I really want to tell it um, in a public setting. Yeah, you I, have to. But I you will. You brought anyway. it up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, back to rural, back to Maine, not a whole lot of Obadiah Osterguards. I can uh, imagine. Right. Yeah. Roaming around with parents that were, you know, raising most of their food on the land and yeah, things John like Smith's that. John Smith's and Mary Jones and, you know, other New England names. Yeah. For sure. So I, uh, I had a good, you know, one of my good friends over who was one of the, you know, top lobstermen families out of Port Clyde. Um, and we were, I think, you know, in the kitchen doing doing what the family does. And I was I was working away. And I, I actually distinctly remember, I think I was like wiping counters. And uh, and Travis, who was my friend, uh, he said to me, he said, Jesus, Obi, someday you're going to make somebody a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. That's great. That is great. And how old are you at the time? I'm thinking like eight, nine. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of your joy, outside of your joy for cooking and all things natural, were there other things that you did in, uh, you know, school, sports, music, theater, or, you know, did kind of work in the farm and class pretty much take up most of your time? Uh, no, I was always, uh, you know, again, you know, it's pretty, pretty small, tight knit community too. Yeah. So, um, definitely was, uh, didn't, you know, through that grade school experience, um, didn't do a whole lot of extracurricular activities other yeah. than kind of the normal sports things. And, but I didn't sure. have any, you know, through sixth grade, I didn't have any, um, that I recall any huge, um, extracurriculars right. other than doing kind of the normal community things. I'm sure oh, I did play, you know, I played, uh, you know, I played little league and, right, right. um, you know, did, uh, you know, did those type of things. So it was very, you know, fairly in that community um, and what we were doing. Yeah. Cool. What about entrepreneurial things? You know, I, I don't know if there was a rural paper route that you were involved with or other money raising things that you did at that time. You know, I live, I live down a mile long dirt road. Oh and, wow! And I was actually the first person on the bus line, and the last, and then, and then therefore and the, the last, last person and to get the last off. one also, you know. And it was a good, you know, I don't know, it's fifteen miles probably or something like that. Um, right. Yeah. So no, nothing like that went on. I definitely, uh, if I was going to be doing labor, it was, uh, it was on the farm for sure. Any jobs then going into school and then on to college that you were involved with? You know, any things outside the home? Um, you know, I started, uh, you know, then, so then, um, when I was, uh, I think about 10 or 11, I moved to a little bit, um, 
you know, the family kind of dispersed, older brothers and sisters left, parents got, parents got divorced. Um, and I moved to a, uh, to a, a more uh, urban setting for Maine, which was uh, Camden, Maine, which is a, uh, you know, 5,000 person town. And there uh, college so there is one of the colleges there. I'm trying to remember. I know. I've... Nothing in Camden. Nothing in Camden. No, yeah, no nothing yeah. in Camden. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, so there definitely, you know, started playing, you know, continued on the baseball route for right. uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I went actually to an alternative small uh, school for sixth, seventh and eighth grade okay. um, that uh, was called Riley and uh, Riley has, still still exists. Um, uh, you know, actually one of my old uh, classmates from Riley is back there teaching nice. now. So yeah. it's like, cool. uh, uh, but it was, it was a school that definitely had a little bit different take on learning um, where you got to kind of pick your own paths and then right. also had a, had a lot of outdoor experiences. Um, nice. So during sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I did a lot of camping, a lot of canoeing, yeah. um, a lot of backpacking. Fun. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really great. Um, I didn't start, you know, I, I, so then I think, so right around probably eighth grade was my, what I, you know, sometimes I tell the story two different ways in terms of the beginning of my hospitality <laughs> career. Right. What do you mean? It started when you were four, right? You know, it's, right. it's been it's been so long. Jesus Christ, uh, <laughs> Someday you'll make you a good wife. I love it. Yeah, so there was a, a small inn in Camden, bed and breakfast type. Mm. Um, and I would go there in the mornings on the weekends and help make muffins and things like that. And they delivered a little kind of, you know, warm pastry basket to every room. Um, and that was my, you know, my job. I'd help yeah. a little bit in the kitchen, getting the right. pastries ready. And then I'd go out and, and drop off, uh, you know, and I think that was like a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday gig for a few yeah. hours. And, you yeah. know, I, I was probably, you know, I don't know, 13 or so when, when I did right. that. And then right. that, you know, and that, and it was a lovely, I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's still there right downtown Camden, nice. um, called the Hawthorne Inn. And it's a, you know, gorgeous old inn and a, you know, 250 year old house and, um, so it's on like and so, so forth. like so many of those bed and breakfasts and inns throughout New England. They're so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, and really did, but you know, I think that, you know, it, sometimes I reflect back and say, I want, you know, did I get a little bit of the, the itch for hospitality you know, sure, was sure. it from my grandfather harvesting yeah, cohogs and eating gosh, around the table? Was it that? Was it goes it, back know, a long ways. Was it, was it, <laughs> Just from what I can hear. Yeah. Was it my first dishwashing job? Yeah, I don't know. You know? Yeah. I think it was peeling those oranges. So was, was going to college a foregone conclusion? Was that something that, uh, you know, it sounds like higher education was important to both your dad and your mom, certainly your mom being a nurse, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, yeah, my mom, uh, you know, actually, you know, she went to Harvard um, and, you know, my grandfather uh, was Harvard, a doctor. Harvard undergrad. Harvard yeah. undergrad. Yeah. 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 Uh, my, uh, my father was, a, my grandfather was a doctor. Nice. Um, and, you know, but the, the mother and father didn't necessarily follow the normal path of education. Actually, my, I think my mother is one of the only people to get into Harvard without a high school diploma. You're kidding. Oh my gosh. They still did that back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. She was in Sweden as an exchange student, graduated early because of it somehow, didn't get the diploma, but got accepted to Ratcliffe and, uh, and like the, the very long story to that, then went to grad, didn't finish Ratcliffe, went to graduate school, didn't finish graduate school, finally wanted to go to community college to get her nursing. And they asked her for a high school diploma. She had wow. to go back and get her GDD. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. Huh? That is crazy. And, and dad, was he a Swedish as well? Is that where he grew up? 
he didn't. He did not. Uh, you know, mother not. Mother just happened to. My mother was there on a foreign exchange oh, program. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got so it. my because on her side is Italian and German Jew. Okay. Um, on my mother's side, um, and then on my father's side is where the Swedish blood actually does come in. Okay. Got but it. that's cool. you know that's cool. the Ostergard. Right, right. And was he a doctorate or, you know, a master's? Uh, I went to Georgetown, dropped out and went to, and went to see. Oh, no kidding. Awesome. Awesome. So, so you had some choices. I mean, was it expected of you that you would go to, to college or did you make that choice along the way or how did that come up? Definitely expected from the grandfather level. Yeah. Parents a little bit more low key, um, definitely wanted to, um, and, you know, journeyed my way to the University of Maine um, through that through yeah. that expectation right. and also right. wanting, you know, thinking that I was ready and wanted to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And did you finish your degree there? Nope. Okay. Took a few classes and then probably were very engaged in the hospitality industry. I can imagine as, as a lot of college students are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think uh, we, we might've been one of the only dorm rooms with an actual physical bar that we had built. Um, <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> You know, we were like, oh, how many bunks can we get on one side of the room so we can build a bar on the other? <laughs> Fabulous. So did you go right out then to um, the workforce or, you know, what was that first job uh, when you decided to leave college? Yeah, uh, took a journey to Florida, mm -hmm. um, found myself in a in very small, small town called Cedar Key, um, mm. which is directly west of Gainesville. Um, and walked into the Brown Pelican kind of wow. on my, on my first day when I got there and, you know, asked what they had for a job. And they said that, uh, they had a, uh, a dishwashing job and did I want it? And, you know, I knew I needed a job and didn't know sure. any better. So yeah. I took it and the Brown Pelican was on the wharf and I've never seen, I think still to my career this day, I've never seen so many fryers in my life. <laughs> Love it. And the dish room was like a closet of steam and just really not a very pleasant experience. Wow. And they, on, I think on like day three, they, uh, they said to me, uh, you know, line cooks, uh, called out, do you know how to work the line? I'd never worked the line before in my life. Yeah, but I yeah, said, does that yeah. get me out of this little room? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to ask that question twice, yeah, right? Uh, oh yeah. I know how to cook. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> no problem. That's great. Yeah. That's great. But you switched over to the hotel at one point in time, uh, Kimpton Chain, one of my favorites. Uh, how did that come about? Or, or was it through the restaurant uh, hospitality side that you joined Kimpton? Uh, yeah, it was through the, mm -hmm. the restaurant side. Restaurant yeah, side. Yeah. I was actually I was coming from the East Coast um, and I owned, uh, owned a few of my own restaurants in Wilmington, Delaware. Nice. You know, we're jumping forward a, a little bit there, but I uh, owned a few of my own restaurants there. Had basically made a blood contract with my now wife. She was at NYU Law School at the time. Okay. Right. Um, blood contract that she'd moved to Wilmington, Delaware, if then I would move her to the Bay Area after. Ah. Okay. So that the 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 contract had come up right. <laughs> and it and it was time to go. Prove it out. Right. Um and we had just uh at that stage, um we had just had a had a baby. Um nice. had Sophie, our first uh firstborn. Ah, I've got a Sophie as well. <laughs> yeah. Now who who is now fifteen, so it's been oh, a little fantastic. while. Yeah. Um and uh so um when you know we decided to to make our way west. Um my wife, Eliza, went to undergrad at Stanford, knew that she wanted to get back to the Bay Area. Right. Um, she's another New England person also. Yeah, I actually yeah. met her in Maine many, many, many moons ago. Nice. And when I landed, the first 
first interview I had was with uh, with Kimpton. Yeah, um, great. And um, you know, they said they said we got it. We you know you got to work for us. But the only job we have, and you know, I was thinking like at that time, Kimpton Hotels were in San Francisco, <laughs> and they were the fifth floor, and they were right. you know they were Scalas, and they were Colettos, and they That's were right. all these amazing yeah. brands, and um, and you know, Kimpton Hotels and there was, you know, it's called Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants, and it really did right. treat kind of them, you know, together, but also separate. Um, sure. And I was definitely on the on the restaurant, restaurant side. side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but they said, you know, we have our at that time, I think they had 43, 45 restaurants throughout the country. And there was only one that didn't have a hotel attached. And it was in Burlingame um coletto's trotteria and they said we you know we've got this job for you yeah. and i was like oh my gosh I, that wasn't I, <laughs> that's not what you're expecting <laughs> not, wait, wait a minute wait, wait. but burnley games are cool that's a cool little town that it is, is a cool little yeah. town yeah, yeah this restaurant was funny though it's like right on the highway and um right. it was you know it wasn't in downtown burlingame yeah, yeah um, right, but i was right. like yeah you know kimpton it was you know kimpton was on the top of my list for places <laughs> sure. that i wanted to work sure. in the bay area right. and so i was like all right we'll do it well, you know, that's I, I'll say that's part of the success that I've seen with many of our CEO guests, volunteering for things or doing things that you don't necessarily think may be the best career builder. But, you know, there's no one else available. So you basically go and get it done. How, how long were you at that restaurant? Yeah, I mean, one of the one, you know, one of the things that I didn't know, of course, when I took the job was that Nikki Leandakis, um, mm. who was the COO at the yeah. time, lived in Burlingame. Ah, so that was one of his favorite restaurants. There yeah, you her, go. Her, there her, you go. Her, her favorite restaurant. Gee, got it. Got it. So you got some exposure early on there. Yeah. So I got some exposure to Good Nikki right, right out of the gate. Yeah, and yeah. Um, eight months later, an opportunity came up in San Francisco for Coletta's. Um, and I moved, uh, moved up to, See? to San and Francisco. That so. stuff makes sense. That's God was watching out for you. But when was the first time you started managing people, uh, Obi? Oh, wow. I mean, um, let me see. You know, the really, I mean, I think that the, so, you know, we'd, we'd go back in time and, yeah. um, you know, after Florida, I was going to go to the Culinary Institute of America mm -hmm. uh, in Hyde Park. Um, so it's summertime. I come back from Florida. It's summertime. I've applied to uh, to, to to go to CIA. I'm like ready to pack my bags and head mm -hmm. to upstate New York. And I, uh, I go and see family friends who spend their winters on Maui. Mm. And they say, you know, the culinary scene on Maui is really taking <laughs> off. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Where? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, you're going to put me up for a couple of weeks while I get my feet. And yeah. uh, so I decided not to go to, this, to the uh, to CIA. Um, wow. And I moved to Maui instead. Oh, oh. Uh, change. Yeah, spent spent about three months there without a job, right? Right. <laughs> because no one wanted to hire a hundred and ten pound, uh, you know, cook that had worked uh, in one restaurant before, <laughs> right? Uh, right. And you know, it was definitely not local. Yeah. yeah. Um. But then I, uh, I, I. Ended what do up you at, know about mahi mahi? Right. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I ended up uh, uh, at the Kula Lodge, um, and you know, got hired on the spot awesome. uh, and worked my way up so that, you know, I started as a dish prep in that wow. kitchen. Um, and I, over a three-year period of time, worked my way up to executive uh, Sue. Nice. So that was the first, That's management you know, job. Yeah, yeah, first yeah. management job where I was, uh, you know, managing a kitchen, managing a crew, um, 
and it was a it was an interest it was a funny it's a, the Kula Lodge is an interesting it's on Haleakala now when you go back to Haleakala there's like five restaurants there yeah. um, but when we opened yeah. when that we were there it. we were the only one that's cool um, and it was beautiful it had little it had little uh, houses it had a gorgeous outdoor patio with a brick burning oven and nice. um, you know local farmers all around it and um, it was actually a protea farm also oh. um, wow. yeah so it was a pretty pretty cool property um and, uh, you know, the chef took me under his wing and I, uh, I worked my way through that kitchen and, cool. uh, you know, ended up, uh, learning, learning some great management skills there yeah. for sure well, from some what, really were, caring owners. Yeah. What were some of those lessons from those early management days? I think one of the, you know, one of the bigger ones for me, you know, and, and, and just, I think it translates across many different, um, businesses, but, you know, you've got to master the skill. Mm. And, you know, and, but it really speaks in kitchens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you can master the skill and be as competent as anyone, um, then you can, A, uh, gain the respect um, of others, um, but also be a great teacher and mentor um, of what those skills are. Right. Um, and, and that's really definitely carried throughout my career, for sure, is um, really trying to uh, master the skills, understand yeah. them in the best way possible so that not only, um, you know, can you uh, gain I think a quicker understanding and respect from people, um, but then also be a great mentor and teacher. Yeah, awesome. um, if you had to identify maybe one of the best or worst lessons you've learned from previous bosses and no names need to be mentioned if it's the latter, um, you know, what would that be? You know, sometimes observing bad bosses behavior can be as, as insightful and as impactful and perhaps even sometimes traumatic, but, uh, you know, those lessons are well-learned. If you had to look back, who are, who are some of the mentors or, or perhaps bosses that you've had that you've learned things that, uh, either what to do or what not to do. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I think it's almost, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I've had, have had definitely both for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, most of us know, have, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that, you know, you actually, and, and I think this is, it's a, it's a good thing that I try to remember also with leadership is that I actually tend to remember the really bad ones. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, of course, have some great mentors that um, sure. that stick with me and it's, you know, yeah. been a long term and, and those ones. But, you know, in terms of if you think about a short term good manager that maybe did a couple of things for you, yeah. you don't yeah. necessarily remember what those were. Right. You, right. Short term manager did a couple horrible things like those stick out a they lot stick more. with you. Yeah. Yeah. So any, any specific, again, without mentioning names, any specific behavior that you can recall from one of those experiences, you go, yeah, you know, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the, the ones that, um, stands out for sure, or, and, and I've definitely had multiple, um, bosses like this where they, they just don't, you know, they, they have a problem and they don't yeah. address it. Right. Right. Um, and it comes out in other ways or, uh, you know, you find out in other ways or there's triangulation and, um, you know, there's just, there's never a good result from that. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, and I think on the, you know, but also those conversations that need to be had tend to be tough conversations and sure. tend to need to be dealt with, you know, in a caring and compassionate way. And, and, you know, and uh, many times those people just didn't have those skills to be able to have those conversations. Right. 
Um, and, you know, and, and then, you know, for me, the flip side of that is, you know, a few, I, I would actually say one of the better, um, you know, moments that I've had with, uh, with, a somebody that was my, you know, I was a direct report to was when they did sit me down and give me some really tough love. Yeah. yeah that's right. Um, and, you know, and really let me know, you know, very directly, uh, very straightforward, you know, what and and you know gave me tools and resources right. to be able to correct the behavior. Yeah, yeah. that's the important um, part. Yeah. yeah, and then and then support you know and then supported that you know it left it in the court my court <laughs> to be able to decide what I want to do with it. Right. Um, right. But then was there to support and nurture. Um, yeah. And I you know actually you know I can that that was in my Kimpton career and it was a, a low moment in my Kimpton career and I always I actually always talk about that conversation um, as being the turning point in my Kimpton career. And it's what led me to being a director of operations for, you know, nine restaurants and, you know, $30 million in revenue yeah, and, you know, there you go. having, having all of San Francisco underneath my belt. So, yeah, uh, you know, awesome. that was it. Yeah. So current role, uh, you've been almost three years with Left Bank Browseries and, and LB Steak. And, and I guess just a little over two years as CEO, you came in as, as president COO. Tell us a little bit about that operation. You know, how big is it? Are you guys in a growth stage and what attracted you to that organization? Number one, you know, Left Bank, uh, the Left Bank brand has been in the Bay Area for 26 years, um, and it was started in uh, in Larkspur um, mm -hmm. in Marin County yeah. uh, in this wonderful building called the Blue Rock Inn, which has been around 200 plus years. Mm. Uh, so a great historical downtown Larkspur location. Um, and way back when, um, Ed Levine and Roland Passo uh came together through some coincidences uh, to develop the left band brand um, there in Larkspur. Mm. Um, cool. And, you know, I've been, you know, now in the Bay Area for 15 plus years. Yeah. And um, Ed was a, a luminary uh, in the restaurant world, um, not only for the Left Bank LB Steak brand, but also um, running Vine Solutions, which is a uh, accounting firm um, and consulting firm for restaurants. Okay. Uh, so I'd always, you know, I'd always known Ed and, um, you know, f for my whole time out here. And then, you know, if you're in the Bay Area, if you have ever thought about French food, um, if you like fine dining, you know who Roland Passo is. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, luminary in the culinary world, lawfully for, I think, 32 years now in downtown San Francisco, fine dining, French restaurant. Um, and Roland is just a, a wonderful, wonderful culinary um, mastermind. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I, yeah. So, you know, I, I'd known both of them for, for a very long time. There was a moment in time, um, not, you know, maybe eight years ago or so that Ed and I had had a serious conversation about mm. me joining. It wasn't the right time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he he reached out to me, you know, probably three and a half, four years ago now yeah. Um, yeah. and said, you know, Obi, this time. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to say no, <laughs> but, but it wasn't for a good reason. Make you an offer I can't refuse. Right? Yeah, but it was, for, it was for a horrible reason. It was because he was terminally ill. That's right. That's um, right. So, you know, that was, you know, again, for me, super honored um, sure. and, and really quite. Your chosen, chosen successor. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And he was right. You know, the timing was right, um, but also um, the opportunity. And, you know, I think that, the the opportunity that he wanted to leave was an opportunity of of growth um that was what he wanted to leave as his legacy yeah. 
Um, we worked on actually a new concept for the group. That was mm. the last thing we did together. Mm. Um, and actually it just opened uh, in ah. October uh, called cool. Meso Modern Mediterranean uh, Restaurant in, in Santana Row. Nice. Uh, nice. So, you know, it took me. That's down in San Jose, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Just for uh, our listeners globally that are, are checking in, Santana Row is a excellent culinary capital, really. And not that old, 10, 15 years? How long has it been around? Yep, 15 years. Yeah, left yeah. Bank was the original tenant. Oh, is that uh, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't know Left that. Bank yeah. actually, Left Bank um, was had started, I don't know, you know, the story behind Santana Row is it burnt down. That's right. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, right. And Left Bank was one of the only ones that had started construction. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Before wow. it burned down, burned down, uh, rebuilt. And, uh, it's, and it's really great... revitalized the whole area down there. It's, it's so much fun. I've been there several times in various dif different restaurants. It's yeah. great. And, uh, yeah, the new thing is, you know, they're, they're now adding quite a bit of office space. So, you know, right. not only is it residential it's really retail, yeah. um, it's, uh, it's also becoming a, a hub for office. So it's, uh, it. it's really a great mixed use uh, community yeah. and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I did make the mistake of uh, showing up at the Christmas tree yesterday in Santana Row <laughs> dressed as Santa, <laughs> and it caused quite a quite a commotion. I'll tell I you, can I was, imagine. yeah, it was, uh, uh, love it, before Obi. I knew it, I had little dogs on my lap, oh, sweaters. <laughs> You know, photos Kids and people running games. towards me. Was, <laughs> man, I'm just trying to get to Left Bank, folks. Yeah, no, all of a sudden you're sand in the mall. Oh, that's great. So, so how many employees? How many different uh, locations now? So we uh, we have about 450 employees. Wow. Um, and we have the uh, three Left Banks. So um, yep. Santana Row, Menlo Park, and Larkspur. And the original Larkspur. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then LB Steak in Santana Row. Okay. And now newly uh, Meso Modern Mediterranean. And then um, we do have a, also a partnership in Menlo Park with Camper oh. uh, Restaurants. Um, so it's a, a wonderful spot that we did a partnership with in a space that we had an LB Steak in. Um, and we converted it with uh, with Greg and Logan, who were two wonderful nice. operators, nice. Um, and uh, did a partnership deal with Camper there. Uh, it's been a great, great new addition to the Menlo Park. You know, my my son lives up in San Mateo and works for a startup. And uh, I, we, we've been thinking about a restaurant we're going to go up to out together when I'm there at Christmas. So I think LB Steak in Menlo Park may be our choice. I'll have to camper. talk to you about a reservation there. Yeah, Camper, Camper. <laughs> camper, okay, got camper. it. So, yeah, or, so it's, or it's if you want to go to the brasserie, whichever you... Or the brasserie. Yep. Got it. Got Those it. are okay. your Menlo Park options. Well, we'll, we'll have a separate conversation by. about that because I'll, uh, I'll, I'll want to get your steerage on that. So, so tell me a little bit about how your leadership's evolved over time. You know, we talked a little bit about those early days. You know, now you're running a pretty big organization, obviously growing. Um, you know, reflecting back, what would you say have been some of the, some of the changes, Obi? Well, I just, I just had a, a unique opportunity. So, I, um, you know, Kimpton was really into the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, and supporting managers through uh, personal growth um, and learning, you know, about your personality types and management styles and such. Right. Um, and the wonderful person, Amy Hung, um, who I had worked with at Kempton um, and done that work with, uh, she's still still around. It felt mm. like it had been forever, but, she, you know, I reached out to her and um, she just did some work with my director of HR, Antonio Nava. Nice. And then that results in uh, kind of the two of us getting together and doing a relationship sync. Mm. Um, but that, you know, she gave me my one page 
you know, yeah, kind of summary, yeah. summary. Here, for, here's your from, psychographic profile eh? <laughs> from, ten, from 10 years ago. Right? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Oh, from 10 years ago. Wow. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so it was pretty cool though to yeah. get some, some insight. And I think, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things that I, I, I know about myself, you know, a couple things is that have really, really evolved is the ability to, you know, take on conflict. Mm. And, you know, and I think that in a, you know, it, it's never that I wasn't able to take it on. And, but now being able to, you know, evolve from, okay, maybe there's conflict that's happening and I'm involved in it and, right, and, right. and, and I'm just going through, you know, I'm doing it to now being like, okay, this conflict needs to happen. Yeah. And yeah. in the past, it. you know, yeah. in past I'd be like, uh, let's procrastinate and avoid. <laughs> and that and, never helps anything or anyone. Right. Yeah. And now I say, okay, here it is. And, and I know, I know my personality and say, you know, I, I, I that my, my nature wants to just avoid that or procrastinate sure. it. So right. now I, I really work hard to say, no, that's, that's not what we're going to do. And we're going to, you know, we're going to take the, the more, uh, what we know is a productive route and, and sit down and, and have the conversations yeah. and, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and, and conflict, even, you know, conflict's a negative word, right? So sure. uh, maybe that's not the right word to use, but just, uh, you know, having um, those conversations and dealing with those situations that need to be, need to be dealt with. And some of those can be, you know, all hopefully resulting in positive momentum. Well, it never, never really works to delay those things. You know? Right. And I remember the first person I had to fire and it was so difficult and so hard. And then everybody said, why did you wait so long? You know, and, and you don't do anyone any favors, right? By uh, delaying those types of decisions. Y you've moved into a real interesting company culture. Someone that uh, was a mentor of yours and that you admired. You know, he brought you in as, as a successor. And, you know, thinking about company culture, it's so important, particularly in the hospitality industry. What are your thoughts about that? Are you trying to continue in the same traditions? Are there changes that you're making? Share with us a little bit about building a company culture there. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um you know, the, the kind of the evolution that's happened is, you know, you had the founder, mm -hmm. um, who wasn't running day-to-day -day operations. Right. Um, and there was, there's a great culture that there's an undertow of this amazing culture and there's a clarity in what that culture is. Mm. Um, and, and that clarity resonated with me a lot. Um, and drive quality, make it happen and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that by the way. Yeah. 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 For me too. You know, it's like just yeah. right, right up my, you know, that, you know, obviously we're having fun when we're dressing up as Santa. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think we're making it happen too. Right. Yeah, so go. it's all good. I'm not sure we're driving quality, uh, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, the guests are pretty happy to see Santa yeah, this time of year. Right. So, that's you right. know, there's, maybe there's we're, something to be measured in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so th there was a, there was an amazing foundation. I think that I, you know, I was given the opportunity to come in as the daily operator and build on that foundation mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and live it every single day and drive it every single day and have it be the focus, um, every single day. Right. You know, we've, we've tacked on the mission to, uh, you know, to be, uh, one of the best hospitality groups in the Bay area. Nice. Um, and, you know, I think that we really have an opportunity, uh, to do that, um, through the, you know, the lens of drive quality, make it happen and have fun. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, for me, it was really about uh, taking what was there um, and building on it, but more so, I think, having it be a daily routine and yeah. reminder for everybody, not something that showed up sporadically. Right, right. Right. Did the, um, the, the, you know, uh, have fun, you know, drive quality. Was that uh, a part of the culture prior to you joining or is that something that was an added add on since you've been there? No, it was, yeah, that's, it, that's been there. It was there yeah. prior to me. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So it was, it awesome. was, again, it was just something great for, for me to, to take and run with and, and build on and, and put consistency around yeah. I think, more yeah. than anything. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time, though. I do have a couple other questions and, and uh, you know, would like to get your perspective. And, you know, tell us a little bit about what you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire. Yeah. Wow. We are in a we're in an interesting time. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is it is tough, it's hard to find tough, good people. <laughs> tough, go, tough going out there for yeah, sure. That's right. Um, you know, so for me, the. The, the number one entry to the dance is, you know, are, you know, do, do you come across as being a good person and somebody that is hospitable, <laughs> right? Wow. That, you know, that we, that we as a team that already is doing this every single day and living it that, you know, we say, yeah, you know, we, we could see you being part of, of what we're trying to do mm. um, in terms of taking care of people every single day. And, and you know, that, and that taking care of people isn't the, the guest, it's the guest and the employee. That's and, right. Yeah. You know, and, and on any given moment, the priority could be on the employee more so than the, than the guest right, for sure. Right. Um, so, you know, are you a good person? <laughs> yeah. Do you like to have fun? Right. And can you make it happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. pretty simple. Know, yeah. yeah. Because the other one, the actual drive quality, we can probably teach. Right. Right. Um, exactly. right. You know, we're, we're pretty good at it. We know what we're doing. We've got a bunch of great people around us that, uh, you know, come from, from amazing backgrounds and have amazing skill sets. So, you know, there's, there's portions you can teach and there's portions you can't teach. And, yeah. uh, so yeah. we, we definitely look for, um, you know, the person that has, uh, the ones that are much harder to teach and hopefully they got more of it from their mother and father and, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, whoever, whoever raised them, That's right. um, That's or, right. or, you know, who they were around. Um, you know, we, we really try to dig into that because, yeah. uh, you know, setting a table, setting a table. And, uh, right. and you know, we can teach people which side the fork goes on. Right, right. Terrific. Last question we ask this of all our guests, Obi, is what career and life advice would you give someone that has got their own eyes on their corner office and maybe hopes to run an organization like yours someday? Be flexible. Mm. You know, really uh, know that the path to the corner office isn't necessarily a straight line. Yeah, and yeah. I think often many, many more times than not. And, you know, we, you, you know, that from the people you've talked to and the stories I've listened to of the people yeah. you've talked to is, uh, you know, that line is, is typically not straight and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and be okay with that and be patient with that and, and know that, um, the journey is a, a marathon and not a sprint. Right. And uh, that if you, you know, can uh, be reflective and, and take time to understand why it's zagging one way or zigging one way, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, most likely there's some unbelievable learning opportunities that will come from that, that will make you grow and, uh, and be a better leader. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Obi Ostergaard, CEO at Left Bank Browseries, LB Steak and the Vine Hospitality Group. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Great talking with you. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.